video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when Hello, you watch. my name's Justin McClure, and I'm here today with... Mark Hansen. And you're listening to Bay Street Video, where we go through all this week's new Blu-rays and DVDs. Hell yeah. It's we Christmas got... time, right? Spend your money yeah, at Bay Street Video. Totally. We got tons of... You know, we have lots of stuff coming in these days, so please come on down, you know. <laughs> Let's start right off the bat with a Criterion release. It's Once Upon a Time in China, the complete films. This one has no commentary track, which is a little baffling. It's kind of lame, yeah. Criterion doesn't do commentary commentaries anymore i think it's other than very specific examples like the citizen kane has a new one but there is a plethora of new special features and this actually has uh four and five in new blu-ray masters that i believe reading the fine print criterion did themselves because those films have never had high definition masters yeah i believe you're right and i also looked into the uh fine print and criterion also like made sure that the sound was perfect because the thing about hong kong films when they get remastered I don't know if it's because sound effects are missing from the negatives or whatever inner positive they have, but they added new sound effects that suck ass, <laughs> that are so distracting, that are so not from the time, and it sucks. But you can see here uh, on the booklet, it says... In the third one, they actually got a print from Colin Geddes in Toronto. No way. And they did a scan in Toronto at Frame Discreet, the place that did uh, Thrilling Bloody Sword, to get the proper sound on part three. And they even wow. went in and got another, it sounds like they got like a DVD or a VHS to add sound effects as well that were missing from the print. So they went the extra mile on these movies. Wow. So this got a local connection here a mm-hmm. little bit. Eh? That's awesome. It actually says at the back, uh, some remastering done thanks to collectors who wanted to preserve Hong Kong art and all that stuff and i did look at the pictures of the film and they look better than they ever have there's a thing with hong kong films sometimes when they get remastered it feels like an automatic process so it has like a cheap like new feel to it that doesn't like reflect the films in the period that they were made that is not present in these transfers of once upon a time in china and if you don't know these movies they are hong kong cinema classics if you don't know hong kong watch once upon a time in china it's big it's long but it either will win you over or it won't second one some argue is even better than the first third it's okay. I hope you like line dancing, which is a uh, Chinese, um, you know, festive thing. Part four doesn't feature Jet Li. It wasn't directed by Choi Hark, directed by the action choreographer. Also, lots of line dancing. Three and four are movies that I continually rewatch and go, have I seen this? No, I probably haven't seen this. And I sit there and halfway through I go, I've seen this. And I'm about to do it again with four because I looked at Letterboxd and I'm like, I haven't logged it, which means I probably haven't watched it in a long time. So. Right. And five, Choi Hark comes back, Jet Li's still out of the picture, but he decides to make the movie like a gunplay film Ooh. and do like a bunch of crazy gunplay stuff where like the heroes fight pirates. It's super fun, underrated. Very glad to see it remastered in widescreen. And part six, directed by Sammo Hung. Uh, Sammo Hung ripped off Jackie Chan's Shanghai Nights and <laughs> oh no, Shanghai Noon because Jet Li goes to America, gets hit on the head, loses his memory, does not know who he is, meets a bunch of cowboys, like the worst wow, English actors classic. you've ever met. Really fun. He did it before Shanghai Noon. Interesting. And Jackie was very very angry at him for years, supposedly thinking that he stole his idea. Wow! And uh, special features wise, you have interviews with the editor that are new, with the producer, with Choi Hark, with a critic. You actually have a documentary that Choi Hark worked on that uh, is from 1976, which is that's the really cool stuff that I really like. You also get some behind the scenes footage. Uh, the other stuff appeared on other discs, but it's all collected in this case. So oh, very yeah. appreciative. This is beautiful. And is this 
going to go out of print, do you think, at some point? Like, what do you... Hmm. I know you think the state of Hong Kong film, it's hard to... Oh, are you trying to say, like, things that, like, China's going to come in? I believe that most of these films are owned by Warner Brothers. Because, okay. like, it says four and five, they actually got the prints from Warner Brothers. Oh, nice. Okay. So, I don't know, maybe it'll stay in print. But usually their box sets, they don't last that long. They usually have, like, a year to three, right? Like, Zatoichi's out mean, of print. Actually, no, Lone Wolf Zato- and Cub Zato- is still Zato- in print. still around. Oh, is it? Yep. Uh, okay. They repackaged it at one point. Um, but, I mean, the Godzilla set's still around. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're still So, what you're trying to tell the people still. is that if you're interested, you can wait a year or two before you get to it, right? <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. No, pick this up for Christmas. This is a perfect Christmas gift for... Yeah, someone in your family. Right, like... I gotta say, though... Uh, with this packaging and the Citizen Kane one, it is incredibly impractical. And this one has those plastic tabs that oh, always break yeah, when you pop, yeah. and the discs stacked over each other, right. which is so annoying to take out. What are you doing, Criterion? I know. Yeah, Citizen Kane has them like all oh, the folded up, the folded, and you can't sleeve. get them out of the sleeves. And when you fold it back up, at least they put the uh, word Kane, so yeah. you know it goes like E N A K. Otherwise, you won't be able. And it, the Kane one's a fleet Flimsiest slipcase, and it's already all beat up. The one I that know. I have. I feel like a bunch of our copies were already kind of beat up when mm-hmm. we got them here. Anyway, we'll get to that next week. Yeah, we have a lot we'll, to we'll talk get about. To that. All the problems with that. So, moving on, we have a new release from Arrow Video. It is Sailor Suit and Machine Gun. Now, this is a film that I've been aware of, but actually haven't seen. Interesting. I thought this would be. I mean, I figured this would be right up your alley. Um, yeah, yeah, all those Japanese know, films. All, listen, I, <laughs> these all sell so well, though. It's like any well, like 60, 70s Kong Japanese films. movie. I don't Arrow understand. That is something that has baffled me since I was a movie fan is that like there is a obsessive love for Japanese cinema from people in North America Mm -hmm. that does not extend to Hong Kong film. There is pockets of people that really love Hong Kong movies, but not like Japanese cinema where they're like, I will buy anything that comes out. And I feel the same, you know, and and for no, there's no reason behind it. But even when I was younger and first getting into Mm -hmm. like international cinema, I would always gravitate more towards Japanese Mm -hmm. stuff than Hong Kong stuff. And I'm not really sure why. Like, there wasn't really a specific reason. I would love someone to do kind of like just uh, an experiment or maybe just more research. It's like, what is attractive about Japan that like North Americans just gravitate towards it and get obsessed with? And this has existed forever. Like you could say like maybe the anime boom, that's what led to people being like, oh, because it's a pattern that is, Mm -hmm. you know, it uses the same style. So that's what you like. But I don't think it's quite that. I think there's more to it than that. I think maybe when I was younger, I associated Hong Kong or maybe Chinese Mm -hmm. film in general with these like big sweeping like kind of boring epics only because that wasn't my sort of thing mm-hmm. whereas Japanese sort of like I was really into J-horror or like Japanese sort of like cyberpunk mm-hmm. stuff like it had maybe like cooler looking stuff on <laughs> well, the surface when uh, I was this is when I was a kid how about though, I show so, you I mean, uh, Choi Hark's Wicked exact, City no, an no, adaptation the of the anime then I grew up and yeah, I'm yeah. like oh yeah that's not right at all but I, I don't know why you know what I, I think it is I think also as movies that you can look back and be like look at all these classic Japanese films mm. Right. In the canon, there's there aren't that many classic Chinese films You're right. that you go to because you got like Kira Kurosawa, yeah. you got Ozu. Mm-hmm. Maybe that is kind of like you a got link. The Japanese New Wave, which mm-hmm. is a whole, exactly. like, cool movement of Hong Kong had its own like, new wave, I know, too. I know, but <laughs> it feels like it never. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know why it hasn't gotten out here before. Uh, I should say, though, that 
uh, Hong Kong films are getting way, way, way more popular. I mean, Criterion's doing it, yep. which I think they're only doing this thanks to the work that Eureka did, was right. a Jackie Chan film, which led to 88 films. Oh, and yeah. then now Criterion's like, wait, oh, what? People want Hong Kong films? Because they never did them before. Yeah, like, exactly. Wong Kar Wai was pretty much it yeah, for a while. Was, and people are like, oh, they did uh, Hard Boiled. It's like, yeah, yeah. 20 years ago <laughs> yeah, on it's DVD. Been out of print forever. <laughs> I mean, speaking of Japanese films, there is a release that uh, is very surprising to a lot of people because it was believed that it was never going to come out. And that is, Future Boy Conan, an early series directed completely by Hayao Miyazaki. It sounds like I'm like, oh my god, I'm so emotional. But I was trying to hold back it's a finally burp. available. Yeah. <laughs> nope, just burping over here. Uh, this is a great uh, miniseries. I listened to a podcast, Talking Simpsons, recently, where they went through all of it on their like subshow, What a Cartoon. And yeah, it's really fun. I haven't watched all of it because I have problems with series where I'm like, uh, 20 episodes, but I could watch like 10 movies in that yeah, time. I, know. I feel the same way, man. That's why I don't get into TV. <laughs> You're uh, like, I don't get it. I don't have time. Man, what's new? Vanderpump Rules. <laughs> I'll binge watch like 20 episodes of reality TV in one weekend, but a series. I'm a little disappointed that there is not a single special feature on no. this disc. You know what? I love that Shout Factory and G-Kids are like mining the Miyazaki mm. and the Ghibli and just like the anime vaults in general. Uh, but yeah, they're not doing a ton of special features. I would say that it is probably because uh, Miyazaki is the one yeah. that is saying what you can and can't do. Yeah. And because no. Because of that, agree. that's, you know, it is what it is. Uh, the fact that, like, some of the releases have commentaries that are in Jap Japanese, yeah. that's because they were probably on the original disc. And so I they know. could port them over and do translations. But, well, I mean... You get a 16-page booklet featuring character art. That means this is just pictures. <laughs> All right. I want to get on a soapbox for a second. I love booklets. Okay. Why is half the booklet just images, like, stills from the film? I don't who understand. Yeah. No one wants it because it looks that. thicker, I guess. Yeah. That, who cares? Give me, Give me text. Give me text. I just want to read the essays. I remember picking up Why Don't You Play in Hell, the great Shion Sono film released by Draft House. Draft House. And they're advertising a booklet, me opening it, and just it being images, not a single word of text. The Draft House booklets were all kind of like that. What is I going on? I've got like the visitor release mm -hmm. they did, and that's pretty much just like... The like you could get essays I mean, in there yeah, and that would be great. I mean, they do have like some good essays, but it's like, you're right. And if you don't have any text, just make it eight pages. Eight pages is fine. Yeah. You don't need like a 20 page. Even the Once Upon a Time in China set, three quarters of it is just images and credits. I know. And I got to complain about this that... <laughs> It does not list which disc has special features on them. So oh. you have to put every disc into the player to See, know what special I think features. If you're going to have a book, you should have a table of contents. I don't understand why they don't. Of what's on the disc. Yes, you know, I agree. Have it for the book. I did that as well when I did Gold yeah. Ninja Video, I Wolf know, Devil yeah. Director. And some some labels do it. Mm -hmm. I've seen that. I can understand it's like a last minute thing that sometimes special features change. Yep. But yep. isn't like the booklet one of the last things to be printed? People will be messaging like, no, it's the first I thing mean, to be you'd printed. Think so, but you're right. I don't know. I'm not actually sure. And I think I looked on the website and I didn't see it broken down by disc, which at least put it up on the website, but I could yeah. be wrong. No, Criterion is bad. They just kind of have that whole chunk of like, mm -hmm. this is everything that's on it. You figure out where it is. And it's weird because it has no rhyme or reason either. It's like, oh, Not the really. interview with the producers on disc four. It's like, why? <laughs> like, yeah. how am I supposed to know that? As yeah. someone that puts their discs in uh, their computer desktop player and rips them so they can watch them, it's very <laughs> difficult to know I which know. disc what has disc it. Yeah. All right. So moving on. Oh, man, this is all the ones that I'm talking about. All that's right. okay. You know, it's, you know, Justin. 
time here. Just in time. <laughs> just in time. <laughs> so moving on, we have Flickr Alley releasing two Argentinian noirs. These are cool. These, uh, these were uh, helped forward by, I believe one of them was TCM, wasn't it? Because Eddie Mueller's all they over this. Play, apparently they both played mm-hmm. yeah, on TCM's noir alley mm-hmm. program or so something I like that. I picked up yesterday the Bitter Stems, uh, and I gotta say, masterpiece. Oh, so yeah? good. Okay. Yeah, super fluid. It's a story of a guy who's a newspaper man, and he didn't go to war, not just because he couldn't, but you also get like the fact that he was a little bit of a coward, and he gets involved okay. with a guy he meets at a bar, and they start a scam. Mm-hmm. But then the newspaper man starts to feel emasculated, and who does it lead to perhaps a murder? Yes, it does. <laughs> and... It's just so slick, so like dense in the history of the time that it was made. Absolutely beautiful images, very Edgar G. Almerish. There's like a whole bunch of like dream sequences that happen and like very abstract. And like there's this crazy thing where for the first half, it's narrated from a train and you keep seeing like uh, scenes in the past in a mirror and it pans over to him on the train. So it means they did it like all on a practical set to like make it look cool like that. Yeah, yeah. And it is a movie that... Supposedly showed up on like the American cinematographer's top 100 best shot films. It was number like 49 in oh, like wow. the 90s. Okay, it's been available for a long time on like really crummy YouTube uh, yeah. rips. But finally, they went back to. I think they found the negative. They uh, do, yeah, yeah, because the preservation was it's through the UCLA Film and Television mm-hmm. Archive, who are obviously like one of the top games in town for that. Um, and yeah, they really went back and scanned these and like have presented these in the most pristine way possible. And they even talk about on the special features, they had to like color correct the entire yeah. negative because it was flat the way it was shot and then it was color corrected. And so they did a lot of work to make it look as good as it could. And this is a great set. Speaking of booklets, it actually has a really good booklet with a great article. There's an audio commentary. It's a film historian. Mm-hmm. There's a 17 minute doc about the composer of the film who was a famous jazz composer. But listen, I'm not a jazz person. No. Nor am I a jazz man like Billy Crystal. <laughs> so this is not something I'm too familiar no, with. No. And there's even an interview with Eddie Mueller, the host, interviewing the guy who discovered the film at okay. a film collector's house that he just had all these cans and they went through thousands of them to actually put the movie together. That's always how it happens. Cans and, lying around in somebody's house. And that's the bitter stems. And the beast must die. I got to say, I have cans currently laying in my house yeah. and one of them is going to vinegar and it smells. Ooh, and I want to get rid of it so badly, yeah. but I can't until I get the film scanner because yeah. it's a classic Canadian film. And it's not that big a deal if it's like completely broken because I didn't pay that much for it. It smells. And when you walk through the hallway, you smell the vinegar smell. And thank you uh, to my partner, Emily. She just accepts it. She didn't yell at me. I told her. I'm like, listen, if you smell vinegar, she's like, okay. That's fine. You know, the trials of living with a film preservationist. Yeah, that's what I am now. A film preservationist. Of course you are. Uh, And there's actually another Argentinian film called The Beast Must Die, another noir. And I was looking on Letterboxd. People love this movie, too. Yeah, people really like this. Did not get a chance to watch it. And you know what? I got to say, I made fun last week of like, how many slashers are there left? You know what? There's a lot of films from countries that we never talk about, like Argentina or Turkey or other countries. <laughs> Miscellaneous. Yeah. Turkey and Argentina. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Balkans. The Balkans. <laughs> That's not a country. Yeah. But, you know. No, but you're right, though. Like, who would have, you know, we were like so North American minded <laughs> that you just think like film noir is just like just North America and that's it. But like there were film noir movements in countries all over the world. I showed an amazing film noir from France last year during my holiday movie marathon. It takes place on Christmas, mm-hmm. and it's about a guy that gets out of jail, meets a woman, goes back to her apartment, and a dead body shows up. Okay. And uh, like how we react to it, and so good, 
didn't read about it anywhere. Never got any North American release. What? Yeah, like they're out there. And I mean, noir, people who buy physical media, that's all they want. All they want is noir. Mar- Mark knows this. So. Oh, yeah. And these will do well. And like, really, God bless Flickr Alley for like putting the time <laughs> and effort into putting these packages together because they don't skimp out. Oh, Flickr Alley, all. you did so much work. <laughs> we did. That'll be 60, <laughs> 60 Canadian dollars for you. <laughs> you, you know what, though? Like, I'm not even that upset with them for charging <laughs> Mark's like I'm not friend. that upset as I Justin mean, goes and pays for the movies Mark hey, like <laughs> yeah. I mean I'm not paying for them whatever exactly. I, just, I just work here or whatever uh, but like these are real nice they mean, are very we nice we talk about a lot of releases that are really highly priced that don't need mm. to be that highly priced if you're gonna like have breakdown some, like $75 <laughs> I mean well you know, Breakdown's worth every one of those. Wait, did you ever get the U.S. version of Breakdown in the store? We got a couple caught. We're still waiting on our full shipment. Okay. There's a whole Paramount supply chain issue. But What about Explorers? Shh. <laughs> you know, that Explor- one is Explorers easily available. Is like out in outer space now somewhere. I don't know. That disc is easily available on some online I retailers. Know. I know, yeah. And yet, for some reason, our supplier just can't get their hands on any. Mm. So, moving on, we have The Duelist. Hey, wow, this one's actually not that expensive. Yeah, so... Uh, the duelist, the duel, duel, duelist. Uh, <laughs> Wait, is that something that fans like to say? Yeah, that's what the duelist, duelist head say. Can I say a controversial statement that all those contrarians always say? One of my favorite Ridley Scott movies. I agree. I was just, and that's why I picked it. So yeah, this has already been on Blu-ray from Shout Factory once upon a time, but it's been out of print for years and years. And you know, now Ridley's in the news again. You know, I mean, he will not stop making movies, bashing all the millennials out there for not watching his movies anymore. I mean, come on, Ridley, you're you're a journeyman. <laughs> what do you want me to tell you? So, you know, the last duel is so big, so people should go check out the first duel. The <laughs> the duelist. I did not see the last duel. A lot of people I that I trust not, yeah. said it was very good. People said it was really good, uh, and people are saying House of Gucci is a hmm. lot of fun. I mean, people have called boring, it Showgirls-esque, but... which I'm like, I mean, ooh, I yeah. like that, yeah. but for some reason, Ridley Scott is not Paul Verhoeven. No. <laughs> uh, but I... The Duelist, fantastic film, and I remember seeing this in my early 20s for the first time, and just being blown away by, I was kind of just like catching up and like filling in my Ridley Scott blanks and I thought it was going to be maybe kind of boring or something but this is like a crackerjack of like a of a movie of a movie period piece and it's just really and it is just that simple it's like two guys basically engage in an extended duel over like several years about nothing like about nothing yeah it starts about nothing and yet you're so engaged in Mm -hmm. it and they're both so it's Keith Carradine and Harvey Keitel they're both so into it they're both so like over the top about this duel great stuff can I ask you a question yeah and this is something I struggle with all the time because I want to love Ridley Scott I hear him talk love him yeah. love his ethos especially now <laughs> oh, yeah. who he feels like he's more of a like I just want to make movies guys than he's ever <laughs> he been he just doesn't give a fuck anymore why are most of his films so boring <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. I would not say I'm anywhere near a Ridley Scott head. I mean, I like a lot of his films, but I also think a lot of his films are boring. Why so, are they so boring? I don't I understand. understand. Like, you know what was a surprising Ridley Scott film for me that mm-hmm. I just saw for the first time, though? What? G.I. Jane. <sighs> Thought it was going to be terrible. Oh, but that's not, real. I'm not going to say it's that's great. That's real Mark Bait, though. Say 90s. It's great. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to say it's great, but... Far more entertaining than I would have thought. Okay. If you go into it knowing it's going to be kind of like 90s cheese, I think you might have a good time. I'm even someone that looks around, make sure nobody (laughs) says, a little bit cold on... Alien. Oh, 
yeah. yeah. And I mean, I like Alien, but it's not like you know what? I agree with Ridley Scott uh, doing the commentary. He's like, oh boy, this is a little bit slow, eh? Yeah, I think I've come to appreciate Aliens and Alien Resurrection. (laughs) You would, you would. (laughs) No, but I mean, Alien. I feel like I've started. I've seen Aliens a few more times now than Aliens over the Mm. last few years, and. Aliens is starting to do it for me a little more for some reason. So does this have all the special features that yeah, the so this is, Shop Factory disc had? Yeah, so this is a new release from Imprint, which actually came out a little, a few months ago, but we were only just got it in now. <laughs> As what happened, I mean, it's from Australia, what yeah, can yeah. you say? Oh, it takes a long time to but get there. But you know what, we're starting to get a f- some better prices on hmm. some of these releases, it depends, and this one's, you know, cool 40 bucks, not too bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's better than 70. <laughs> or 75. Or 75. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think it's got... The the Shout Factory disc, I don't think, was loaded. With, okay. I mean, it was. It had a yeah. few things on well, it. Well, because it originally it had like a special edition Blu-ray, on yeah. DVD, yeah. and they probably ported over the stuff. Wait, i got to make a joke here that says, dueling directors. Oh, yeah, I saw which that. director is uh, Ridley Scott going to duel with? Obviously, his equal, oh, Ridley Scott and Kevin Reynolds yeah, Kevin of Waddle Reynolds, uh, yeah. World. Uh, the Beast of, what is the one that's like the tank one? Oh, um. It's a Beast of something. Yeah. You know what? I the, like the, Kevin the Reynolds. It's just called The Beast. Is it just Isn't called it? The Beast? Yeah, it had a few titles. And I really and enjoy Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. <laughs> I enjoy parts of Waterworld. Yeah. I, it's been a while. I, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Big fan so of The Count of Monte Cristo with Guy Pierce. Oh, I've never You've seen never seen that. that? It's good. I, and it's right I, up your alley, too. I know. Too. I've heard Wait, it's is that good. Jim... Uh, Viesel. Yeah. Oh, he's a bad Jim, man. Mr. Did you Q read that <laughs> yeah, article that came out where he sounds absolutely <laughs> I mean, demented? Well, let's let's just forgive him because he did get struck by lightning <laughs> on the set of The Passion of the Christ. Did so he? He is now legitimately an insane person. So he so. got like Gary Busey, essentially, I, that like, I unfortunately... Mean, I think he was all already maybe mm-hmm. I mean he was in the passion of the yeah. Christ in the first place so like, but he's been going off that QAnon sort of deep end for but a reading while that now. article about him being on the set of the show I hope it's made up because it's all the cliches of he's I like know. I can do fight scenes and he like cons- constantly punches a stuntman yeah. or him like giving terrible ideas endlessly <laughs> He's, he's not good, but I liked him for a while. At one point, I liked deja him. Deja Vu. De- yeah, Deja Vu. Yeah. Frequency? Good movie? Yeah, pretty good movie. Pretty good movie. So, <laughs> that's, that's you know, it. he was a great actor because you would never see that, um, you know, wildness yeah, in his eyes. exactly. I thought he was just a normal dude. <laughs> mm-hmm. Apparently nope. not. Apparently not. So, moving on, we have the blind buy of this week. And oh, it's, it's a big one, folks. Uh, many, many episodes, maybe 60 episodes a ago. A long time ago, yeah. We said, the next Merchant Ivory film that comes out we will do as the blind buy of the show. You know what? I got to be honest. Neither of us have seen a Merchant yeah. Ivory, right? I don't I think haven't. this qualifies, considering <laughs> they produced it. I mean, it's tech. It's a Merchant Ivory production. Mm. Yes. It's part of the Merchant Ivory collection here. Did you know that they had not directed it when you recommended it? Yes. Okay. I did. I mean, it is directed by Nicholas Meyer, who did uh, Time After Time. Yep. Great time travel Christopher Reeves movie. Or am yep. I thinking of a different um, one? No, I'm thinking of a different one. There's like another no, Christopher Reeves. Somewhere in Time. Somewhere in Time. Uh, time After Time is Malcolm McDowell. Yes. And... Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Christopher Plummer, one of those guys. Yeah, those guys. And well. he also did Wrath of Khan. Yep. And this is a film that stars Pierce Brosnan. And that's an easy mark recommendation. Easy mark. That's why I went for it. It's called The Deceivers. I yep. love movies about people deceiving yep. other people. And I read the plot and it's kind of like an action mystery type thing. Do you know this got 
a recent theatrical release. Can you believe that? The remaster? Yeah, someone well, I know wrote... Cohen. Well, Cohen's putting this out, and I know they usually put their restorations in theaters <laughs> first. Yes. I didn't know this one specifically came out, but... I can't believe I it played in theaters. I would love to be a fly on the wall <laughs> of people like not knowing necessarily what they're getting into for this. So Mark, um, when I came over yesterday to the store, he's like, hey, have you watched The Deceivers yet? I'm like, nope. He's like, hmm. Pierce Brosnan is in brown face for 80% of the film. Yes, sir. Uh, oh, boy. Which I did not expect. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I've never seen images of him in brown face on this. I mean, I, I sent an image not, to know. my pal Will Sloan, and he was like, wait, how is this not like circulating more? Right? <laughs> yeah. Because it's not like when he first dons the brown face, I'm like, oh, this is a bad scene. Uh, That's the whole movie. He's going to take that off in a little yeah. bit. No, he, he's there for a while. I mean... It is the plot of the movies, which is that... Check my Twitter of him putting the brown face on, yeah, and it's, it's like, so I need to bad. become one of them. And it's I like, know. oh my... Oh, and he, no. like, doesn't I speak mean, the that's... language either. No. Like, he just speaks English. So, I mean, I guess we shouldn't be that surprised since it's a Merchant Ivory film from the 80s mm. that takes place in 1800s in, like, British-occupied they India. They sure so, love the, uh, um, you know, occupied British. They do. So, basically, you know, Pierce Brosnan's a soldier over there, and he gets wind of this... This group of secret murderers, the secret Indian murderers called the Deceivers or the Thuggies, as they call them. And, you know, to he basically says, thinks he's going to go infiltrate them by donning brown face and pretending to be one of them. Basically. He does. And then he, he does. fools them. And he fools them. Yeah, that's, uh, that's an issue. Um, which is strange to me because it to me it just looks like Pierce, Pierce Brosnan, Brosnan in brown face, face. yeah, and with like a weird little mustache on. He gets um, a big beard too. He gets near a big the beard. End of the movie. Um, yeah, so that was a, a hard point to get past. I mean, I realize that like we're watching a movie about 1800s British occupied India. I'm sure people don brown face in the past around that time. Mm. But for this movie, because it's so much of like it's supposed to be this like action adventure mystery type thing. It's just hard to really. I didn't even think it was that good of an action it. adventure it's mystery not really movie. That interesting. Mm. It's kind of just boring. It kind of just goes where you think it's going to go, right? He infiltrates it. He gets lost in the part. He gets a taste for killing but a little bit. But that's a problem There's because... There's a weird sex scene where he's, like, hallucinating. Him, like, like, getting lost in the part makes it seem like, ah, he's become the he's savage become he's savage, hunting. Yeah, and that's, that's a big issue. There is a lot of that sort of sad... Like, I thought, Indians like, are savages. There's and, a moment uh, where I thought it was yeah. going to go towards, like, oh, you know, Britain, the occupying force, are the real bad guys. Yeah, it never goes there. It doesn't go, go there, there at yeah. all. It's just like, no, these are just like the secret society. But I mean, they do have like good Indians. But it's that whole thing. It's like, well, there's the good Indians who are like complying with Mm. the British rule. And then there's these like outlaw bad Indians. It's like, that's simplistic and not correct. Not totally correct. So So the movie's not that good. So, you know, reading about it after, I did see that it was (laughs) a, yeah, the first Merchant Ivory production that wasn't directed by James Ivory. They brought in Nicholas Meyer. And it was a huge flop upon release both with critics and uh, the box office it was like their first major flop which I think is why nobody talks about it somebody sent me a video of the cinematographer talking for like 10 minutes about the failure of the film he does not mention the brown face once I don't think anybody does goes around (laughs) the thing where at one point he's like oh we you know the director got obsessed with the fact that we did test screenings and people were laughing at the wrong places he's like (laughs) during the second scene where he was putting brown face on actually you know what he does mention it but he doesn't mention it as an issue he's like 
the wife was like, please promise that you won't kill anyone personally. And everybody yeah. laughed when that happened. And, you know, the director tried to cut it out. And I'm like, that is not like that is an issue, but there's nothing you can do. It's like the, it's baked into the movie. That's just like what the movie yeah. is. And the cinematographer you know? like, was like, it's... the director was trying to cut from a wide shot to a close up without first establishing the scene. I know. You can't do that. And it's like, that's not the issue with the movie. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's based on a book from like 1920. 20s, yeah. right? So it's like the source material is already outdated. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just feels so outdated, you Listen. know? And it's like, I get that, I guess Cohen is just, Cohen's slowly releasing all of the Merchant Ivory Can you bulk, imagine if it had Pierce like, Brosnan and Wiz Brown face oh on the God, cover? That's the thing, it's like, you guys should just sell this for what it is. If you want to be, you want to be honest about what it is here. <laughs> no, they don't. They want to trick they people. They want to trick people. Yeah. They tricked me. I was yeah. like, oh, okay. Um, Pierce Brosnan, He's okay. He's fine. He's fine. You should get the bad taste out of your mouth by watching, you know, a good Pierce Brosnan film like, ah, The Grey Owl. Nothing <laughs> yeah, offensive there. Grey right? Owl. Wow. Uh oh. Grey Owl was, um, yeah. Yeah. No, anyway, that's, that's moving on. One. I thought that was so, I was so excited to see that as a kid when I was obsessed with Pierce Brosnan and it was so boring. So the next movie is Homebodies. Yeah. Now, this is good because it hits some of my favorite points that it's about uh, tenants killing landlords. Love it. Nothing better than that. Yep. And it's old people killing uh, uh, landlords. Yeah, Perfect. I've never heard of this movie before, but I uh, Never got a DVD release premise, yeah. or a Blu-ray. It's the first time it's being like remastered and released into the world. Mm -hmm. uh, it's one that you would always see mentioned on like, oh, little scene horror films. I remember hearing about it. I believe it was the unfortunately uh, passed away Cine Family by its own hand. Right. Did yeah. a, like 50 States of Horror thing. And I think Home Buddies was one of those movies mm -hmm. where they, did you ever hear about that? It's like in October, they did uh, 51 movies. Yeah. Wait, how many states are there in the United States? <laughs> and yeah. they did like a movie from each state, like okay. sometimes twice a night. Okay. And Home Buddies, I believe, was one of them. Okay. So, yeah, super fun movie. There's commentary with the director. Cool. Yeah. Wait, has this come out to DVD? I don't think it has, because I remember watching a VHS rip at I the don't time. I think so. Um, I mean, yeah, Kino's putting out a DVD with this as well. So, moving on, we have Josie and the Pussycats, the 20th anniversary edition. Whoa! whoa I've whoa. never seen this movie. Me neither, actually. What? I was like, hey, you put it on the list. I was surprised. I thought you'd seen it. I would have bet money you had seen <laughs> Josie and the Pussycats. I've never seen this. How and many times I, have you seen Spice World? A lot. <laughs> Why would you watch Josie and the Pussycats? Uh, because Josie and the Pussycats does not have the Spice Girls in it. Yeah, so. that's true. <laughs> you know, you got me there. I mean, but look, no, I. Rachel I, Lee Cook, Terrell Reed. I oh, thought yeah. you would love those people. For some Rosario reason, Dawson. Yeah, for some reason, I wanted to see it when mm. I was a kid. For some reason, I never did. I was a big fan of Can't Hardly Wait too as a kid. It's which same is director, the same director, though. Yeah. yeah. Although I will say Can't Hardly Wait does not hold. We up. discussed it, it last time it came up. But I know Josie and the Pussycats has. Uh, grown in mm -hmm. cult following since it came out. I think it was kind of like, I don't know, it was like well-liked enough, but didn't really like blow up the box office or anything. Mark Posey's in this too? Yeah, no, I, I've put it on in the store several yeah. times, people have, and it looks like a lot of fun. I mean, even like some, like Brecken Meyer, I think is in it. Yeah, like Seth some Rogen. Seth they Rogen, have yeah. A, uh, or Seth um, Green. Right? Oh, is it? Yeah, Seth Rogen. Yeah. <laughs> Seth Green, uh, that's right. They have the song Backdoor Lover yep. that they sing. Yeah, <laughs> so I've seen a lot of parts of it, so... Yeah, but it's first time on Blu-ray. Um, for some reason, when Mill Creek sent these to us, they packaged the Blu-ray upside down. <laughs> so the, the oh, artwork yes. is... <laughs> but it's good. You know, it's like a little... Uh, it's novelty value. Did you though, see someone made a post on like some Blu-ray forum where they're like, I got the error discs where they put Scream in a white case. Nah. You can buy it for $80. And it's like, just buy a white Why case and put your yeah. slip inside of it. Jeez. 
But yeah, I don't know if it got a special edition, but it has all the features that were no, definitely yeah. did not. It's, Mill Creek did not commission new special no, features. No, I think the D. It's never been on Blu-ray before, mm. but I think the DVD had a bunch of special features. Okay, that's on. why it was yeah. the early, early days era of DVDs of DVD, where they're yeah. like, oh, interactive menus and tons of special features. Uh, but I will definitely watch this at some point because you know I do. Like all these actors, like this just looks like a lot of fun, and and Carson Daly's there on the back, so you know you know it's good. <laughs> Carson Daly, the stamp of quality. Yeah, stamp of quality. Speaking of stamp of qualities, the next movie, man, we were both very excited about <laughs> this movie when it was coming oh, out, I weren't know. we? We're gonna say yeah, sticking in two thousand one right now. <laughs> it is Ivan Reitman's Evolution. I mean, the Ivan, new Ghostbusters. The new Ghost. I, Ivan Reitman's in the news again, sort of. Yeah, his new uh, his son directed a Ghostbusters his, movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Evolution came out in 2001, and yes, I for one was insanely excited for this because I was a huge X Files fan, and I think this was David Duchovny's like first real like we're gonna make him a movie star after the X Files. And you love uh, Stifler from American love Pie. Love Stifler, big fan of him. Love I, the I liked Orlando guy. Jones. <laughs> uh, yeah. You could not wait for the scene where they were gonna cut the monster before it reached his uh, dick in I, every uh, trailer. Every trailer, <laughs> and then I remember seeing this. And even as a kid, not really liking it that much. I did much. not like it that much I as a kid either. I did not like it. I didn't find it that funny. I honestly don't even remember that much about it anymore. It Me just neither. Kinda, like, There's a scene in the mall with one of the yeah, aliens. Yeah, yeah. But um, now it's shockingly the first time on Blu-ray. Wow, the fans Never haven't been, been demanding it. And for some reason, I don't know, people seem to have fond memories of this uh, because it's been selling well enough, I guess. It's always rented well over the years. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's that's back. evolution. It's back. I, I mean, know. if you can't find a DVD in the dollar bin or wherever <laughs> you are, was the golden case, I believe. It had like a weird yeah, case. Yeah, it did. It did. But yeah, I don't know. It was definitely Ivan Reitman like desperately trying to like recapture his like hey, Ghostbusters hey, He still had thing. a few movies after this, like the one about being My friends. Super and, ex-girlfriend. Super ex-girlfriend <laughs> and being friends and having sex. Uh, it, which one was Was that? it Friends with Benefits oh, or just he Friends? did one of those, yeah. eh? Uh, no Strings Attached. No Strings Attached. There you yeah. go. That's the Ivan Reitman touch. one of those. So, moving uh, on. Ivan, does, does anybody actually like Ivan Reitman as a director? No. He's not good. No, right? he's not like, good. He's not good. No. I mean, people like Ghostbusters, and some people like the first half of Meatballs. You don't like the last act of Meatballs. Yeah. I, I no, like, no. Meatballs, like meatballs. All Meatballs. Sorry, I'm thinking of Stripes. Stripes, right. Yeah, yeah. The first act right. of Stripes. Because yeah, like, then they go to Russia. Cannibal Girls, of course. Great movie. He's just not a good director. No. I mean, yeah, Kindergarten Cop is funny. Yeah, not very well directed, though. Not very well directed. Yeah, I feel like the movies of his I like, I don't like because of his direction. Mm -hmm. So, And, I mean, wait, Legal Eagles? That's one of his. Never seen it, <laughs> Never Robert seen Redford. That, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ghostbusters 2, great movie. Great movie, yeah. Yeah, yeah I liked it. When I was Can a kid. I say that the new Ghostbusters movie has almost no ghosts in it? I couldn't believe it. Really? And, spoiler alert for people who haven't seen the movie yet. Do you know who the villain is? Fucking Gozer, again. It's just a retake of the first one, all the same so scene. So you went to see this. Were you excited to no, see this No, not movie? at all. So you just saw so I saw like... a big three-hour movie, and I wanted to chase her afterwards. Right, right. So I was like, oh, I might as well just get this out of the way. Okay. Yeah. You know, no, that makes sense. So yeah, not good. I could, couldn't believe that they redid the and like, oh look, there's the cab driving ghost, and he's back. Okay, but like, give me something new, man. Like anything new. So they do. Um... Spoiler alert, I guess. Bring back Harold Ramis. Oh, like, yeah. CGI'd. As a ghost. <laughs> that is awful. I can't. I've seen I, the images of, I like, Bill Murray believe. and Dan Aykroyd, like, staring off into space. Uh, I mean, I'm his... sure that the uh, Ramis estate got a big fat check for it. <laughs> as they should. As they should. <laughs> can you? 
I, like that is the one thing you don't do That's when you so make that bad. movie. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Terrible. Anyway, Terrible stuff. Moving on. Now we're in Mark's corner. New stuff. Yeah, we're gonna talk about some new stuff here. Um, a couple foreign films that came out this week that are really, really great, and both um, both from like South Latin America and have kind of like spiritual, supernatural overtones, even though they're not necessarily horror movies. Uh, first up is The Fever from a director named Maya Darin, Brazilian film, and this actually played at TIFF like back in 2019, I think, mm. and that's where I first saw it, and it's just coming out now on DVD from Kim Stim, who I really, really like. And it's really great. It's basically just about like a um, uh, like a construction worker, an indigenous construction worker, and his kind of day to day life. And he's kind of like being pushed out. His family's worried about him because he's getting older and he's kind of isolating himself. And then there's also potentially like a creature in the woods around him that's sort of like casting a shadow over his whole life. Um, I don't really want to say much more about it than that because it's kind of like just an ethereal sort of experience. Um, really, really great stuff though. I would highly recommend this for like anybody's looking for something new some new kind of like brazilian cinema that's like really challenging but also like entertaining and just like really deeply felt uh and then my uh my friends at indie picks <laughs> i really like indie picks though they did that movie the blue eyes which we talked about way back which was really fun i mean indie picks is also kind of a dumping ground they as are, well they are but they get some interesting stuff and this one is kind of like the blue eyes it's got Again, like horror overtones, although this one's more of like has a bit of a documentary feel. So it's a Mexican film and apparently it's inspired by true tales of journalists getting kidnapped by like cartels down, like journalists inter mm -hmm. um, basically investigating cartel stuff and getting like kidnapped and killed and stuff like that. So it follows. It's basically partly uh, like a mockumentary where somebody's making like a doc about this reporter who went missing down there. And then you also see like basically just the regular fictionalized um, scenes of him going down there to investigate things with his uh, partner, basically. And it's really interesting. And the spiritual element is this in this is that they keep seeing this. It's called El Hombre Buffalo, which translates to the Buffalo Man. And they keep seeing this guy called the Buffalo Man, who's just like a dude with a buffalo head on. And he's kind of like a portent of doom, basically. Yeah, he was there June 6th during the... Yeah, it's like the Mothman prophecies. <laughs> but it's really, really well done. And it's, yeah, it's not necessarily... They kind of sell it like it's a horror movie on here. I wouldn't say it's really a horror movie. It's more of just like a, an artier foreign film about about journalism, really, and dangerous journalism. And it is a tribute to journalists who lose their lives down there. And it's just really fascinating stuff. The actors are all really excellent in it. It's uh, it's starring actors who are big, I think, on Mexican TV, but you wouldn't really know them outside of outside of Mexico. And they have real chemistry. It was just really expertly done, even though it is super low budget. Like, you can tell the cameras they use. It's not, it's not a lot of, like, fly on the wall kind of stuff. But um, I really was surprised by this film. It was excellent, and I hope Indie picks. Mark, keeps I have to watch out only stuff one. That falls through the cracks. Only one. On Which one do I pick? I mean, I would say the Fever. I, if I had to pick one, the Fever I really, really loved is a little more accomplished because it looks so beautiful. It's got mm. such a heavy mood to it. I really, really love it. El Hombre Buffalo, I feel like, is a little bit lower budget. You do need to like kind of stick with it. Um, but I would recommend both. I feel like if you're going to watch one, I would say start with The Fever. Maybe it's a little more accessible. But um, I wouldn't sleep on either of these. These are great films. All right. So moving on. Mark, you take this one. 
All right, we're going to talk about The Kingdom of Var here. I can find almost no information about this movie, Mark. So this what is, is it? This is a Canadian film. Uh, <gasps> Ooh, I love Canadian yeah, films. Yeah, I know you do. Uh, it's kind of been going around online recently a <laughs> bit uh, as, I mean, kind of exploitation wrote about it. Well, I mean, they write about everything Canadian. Yeah, they're very and, nice. And they, uh, <laughs> I just have seen it talked about online a bit as being sort of a successor to the work of somebody like Neil Breen or Tommy Wiseau, like that's so bad, it's good. Like ego project, still, low ego budget project, stuff. Which always kind of, you know... You're suspicious when I'm you hear this. I'm suspicious because I'm like, I look at it and I'm like, is this purposely like that? In which case, it's not a successor to Neil Breen or anything because that's not like... What they're doing. That's like not, Neil Breen not, thinks he's making a good movie. Yeah, they're ego-driven. They can't step outside themselves. Uh, so this is a horror, really low-budget horror movie shot in, I want to say Sudbury or something. Kind of like a rural... It might not be Sudbury, but somewhere like mm-hmm. that in Ontario. And uh, from a director named Nicholas Claybon, who's done a bunch of shorts and stuff like that. And it's, yeah, basically kind of like an Evil Dead type horror movie where these, I two, like gir- Evil Dead these movies. two girls find a videotape that was apparently filmed in 1594, which is obviously impossible. Yeah. But these images were put onto it and it's supposed to raise the spirit of VAR and like bring about... Typical, like, Evil Dead type. Mm. But it is done in a very stilted, obviously bad manner. So the very first first shot of the film is literally, like, it takes place in, like, a suburban neighborhood. And it's just, like, a shot of a field for, like, ever. And then it, like, slowly and badly, like, pans shakily over for a car going by. And you see the car go in, like, really slow. The kind of stuff you'd see in all these, in, like, Neil Breen type movies, right? Like, really deliberate... Pacing. Is it on purpose? The acting, you know, when the acting happens, everybody's Mark, like to really the over the top <laughs> and like really stilted and bizarre. The camera angles are all badly framed, like they're cutting off people's heads. The sound is all over the place. Is it on purpose? It's on purpose. No! <laughs> so you know what? For the first five, ten minutes, I'm like, I think this is on purpose. Yeah. But like, either way, like, I'm enjoying it. Like, this is funny because mm. it's so like... Deliberate. Could like it maybe be like down. Matt Farley esque? Yeah, and that's what I'm thinking. Like, even if this is deliberate, it could be kind of mm. Matt Farley esque. The problem is Matt Farley's got real heart to his yes. movies, and I'm not sure this is a bit more of a cynical sort of not cynical in that like they don't want to make an entertaining movie, yeah. but cynical in like, oh, this is like we're gonna make this so bad. Like it's gonna look so <laughs> bad all the time. And you're sure of this? Yes, because about 10, 15 minutes in, I mean this is short, it's only yeah. like no, it says 80 minutes, but I, I didn't. I don't even think it was that credits. long. Yeah, um, he just flew by. About 10, 15 minutes in, there's a character that comes out of the woodworks. This like obnoxious, vile, like sexually harassing mm. security guard type with a name plate that says like Mister Fulci or something, and. The way he plays it, it's right away. You're like, okay, this is on purpose. Basically, it could not be. Maybe they just thought it was comedy. No, the way the way they play it, it's Mm -hmm. definitely on purpose. And then as the movie goes on, you can tell more. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that that's necessarily always a bad thing. Like we've talked about movies like The Velocipaster, which I did not like at all. Mm -hmm. Movies that are really, I feel like it still has some humor to it, and Mm -hmm. it's still funny in moments because it's so absurd. I don't mind absurd humor. But um, it is a little like they are self, very self-conscious with it, and like Lost Skeleton of Cadaver. Yeah, and at a 
certain point it gets a bit draining mm. i'll say that so like at the halfway point i was into it for a while and then it kind of gets boring at the end it's it kind of picks back up again at the end i would say it has a it, it has an ending that i kind of like but uh I don't people selling it as like a Neil Breen type experience. But you know what? How about listeners? If they're interested, make up their own mind. There's a lot of people out there who are like, I love these kind of movies. Yeah. Check it out. Check it out. And it definitely throws back to like grotty set. Like the Fulci reference Mm. is apt. It throws back to that like kind of grotty 70s horror. There are some like grimy kill kind of things. There's a lot of like absurd nudity in it (laughs) and stuff, which is kind of weird. Um, So, you know, I, I. It has creativity to it. I wouldn't write it off completely, but I just don't like, I think there's this whole thing. It's like people trying to make movies that look really bad on purpose, but like, oh, maybe they aren't bad. I just, just make the movie. Just just make make a good movie. Just make it, you want to, how you make it, want to make it. Yeah. but, you know, we just got it. Uh, this small distributor, Zelco Entertainment, has put it down. Canadian. Canadian. And you know what? I, I can't hate on, like, a really low-budget Canadian movie that really wouldn't get play anywhere else coming out and getting a chance. Well, now you can pick it up on the shelves of Base Food Video. And if you don't want to spend money or if you want to just watch it first, it is on to be and Amazon Prime. So, you know, if you just want to take a look, you can take a look there. And if you do, the people who made it probably get a few pennies as yeah, well. Yeah, probably. So, moving on, we have Swan Song, and Mark likes this one, right, Mark? Yeah, this is fantastic. This is one of my favorite new movies of the year. Uh, so this is, well, this is not, there's two movies called Swan Song this year. There's a new movie coming out with, like, Marshall uh, Ali oh. on Apple TV or something. Okay. This is the Swan Song with Udo Kier, um, which is just such a riot. So basically, it is kind of like a fiction account of a real-life icon of the gay community in Sandusky, Ohio, um, that this filmmaker, Todd Stevens, um, who was kind of a big part of like queer cinema in the late 90s, early 2000s. He made another gay movie. He did make the another gay movie and that sequel, but he also made Edge of Seven, or he wrote Edge of Seventeen, the one in the 90s, not the one with Mm -hmm. Haley Steinfeld, and another film, Gypsy something, I'm blanking on what it is, that were kind of big hits um, at that time, big indie hits. And he hasn't really made a ton lately, but uh, he comes roaring back with this one because, yeah, it's um, so basically Udo Kier plays a retired hairdresser, Pat Pitsenbarger, who was a real life character. And basically he's in a retirement home and he's kind of reaching the end of his life. But he call, gets called out of the retirement home to do the hair for one of his old clients who's just died, who he had a riff with. And he basically travels back into town, has a bunch of really humorous interactions, really funny stuff. Udo Kier is amazing in this. I mean, obviously Udo Kier is amazing in anything. Udo Kier is a guy he gets that like a show. He, it's every a spotlight month, for him I'm right like, now. well, he's still alive he's still alive <laughs> yeah. i haven't seen him like spotlight a movie like this in a long time when was the last though. time he started in a movie well, that's though a thing, yeah. right? <laughs> blood for dragon <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, uh, uh puppet master yeah, the new right, right, that he's right. in it for yeah a couple exactly scenes. but no he is like front and center of this it's all him perfect casting choice he's just so good and it's just so, it's the kind of movie that just puts a smile on your face like honestly like i said when it came out if you don't smile at this movie you're like dead because this movie <laughs> is so entertaining so sweet so funny it's got such a good like wit to it though as well and that's on dvd so i would say definitely pick it up one of my favorite movies this year oh, so i good. have not seen it i will definitely have it's to check awesome. it out he's so. funny oh and also jennifer coolidge is in this who plays like a rival hairdresser it was she was like his protege who kind of like took over and they their scenes together are some of the funniest i've seen all years they Ooh. just like trade barbs so well excited yeah it's great all right so that's it for the bay street video podcast we're getting into not quite december almost december almost so christmas time yeah time to come buy stuff yeah please do <laughs>
Uh, should we do? Did we do that last year? No, definitely not. Because well, you can come to the store of yeah. like this is what you should buy for people if you yeah, need to get I something. Know. We were shut for curbside mm-hmm. pickups last year, but you know we'll talk about Christmas stuff. Yep. as we go forward. I mean, I coming mean, up our hundredth episode yeah. in a couple episodes. <laughs> well, I remember I watched I'll Be Home for Christmas last year, and a certain somebody else did not watch. Did I'll I, be I home forget for or what happened? I, I well, don't I remember. Remember? I yeah. can't remember. But um, <laughs> you left me to watch that by myself, and uh, good. wasn't good. It yeah. wasn't good. It wasn't good. All right. Well, you'll have to pick another film to we'll torture we'll me with. To, we got to do a Christmas blind by this yeah, year for that, sure. Um, uh, you don't then don't watch. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. So that's it for this week's episode of the Base Street Video Podcast. My name is Justin Glue, and I'm Mark Hanson. Keep on buying. Keep on renting. Udo Kier films. <laughs> yeah. These movies and many more are available at your local video store. Yeah, There's double so bill. Udo uh, Kier's Love for Dracula and Swan Song. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> right? Right? I could watch any Udo Kier film. Did he do some of those like um, slasher films with that director, Uli Lamel? Yeah, it feels like he they did, would. Right? <laughs> I know he worked with Uli Lamel. They were uh, Fastbender guys. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? Ah, he's great. <laughs>